Good morning, Redeemer Church. It's great to see you this morning. Today is the day of the Lord, and I'm glad that He is risen, and that in His resurrection we also have the hope of resurrection. Amen? I want to give a special welcome to the grandparents who are visiting with us today. Um, We're going to have a baby dedication a little while later, so I've seen, I think, two or three sets, and I just want to say that your, your children are a blessing to Redeemer Church, and we are uh, so very thankful and happy that they're part of our church, and I know that you are thrilled with your your new grandchild uh, as well. I would like to pray and then read our text for this morning and then launch right into the message. And so if you would, bow your head and your heart with me as we ask for the Lord to speak to us powerfully. God, this morning it is a privilege to gather together. It's a privilege because you are a great father. And you have adopted us into your family. We were outsiders. We were orphans. We were neglected. We were needy. And you came to us. And you brought us in to your family. And you love us, not like you're our Father, but you love us because you are our Father. And this morning... We worship you. It is a privilege to be in your house. It is a privilege to be in your family. And it is a privilege to have so many brothers and sisters. Blessed be your name. And we ask now as we open up your word that you would speak powerfully and lovingly to every one of us that we might Be the children that you've called us to be in your family. We ask this in the Savior's name. Amen. Please take your Bibles and turn to Colossians 3. It is so fitting. I love it when the Lord providentially brings together things that we're doing in the service and what we're studying in His Word. And so, providentially, He has caused us to look at family responsibilities on the day that we're going to dedicate four babies to the Lord uh, this morning. And so we're going to be looking at Colossians 3, verses 20 and 21, as we go deeper yet again. Last week, we looked deeper in marriage. This week, we're deeper in family responsibilities. Two verses, verse 20 and 21 of chapter 3. The Apostle Paul speaks to the church at Colossae. The Holy Spirit now speaks to the church in Oxford, Alabama. Redeemer. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. 
Last night, my son Adam and I were meditating on this passage. And I asked Adam two very dangerous questions. Question number one was, Adam, what do I do that makes you mad? Long pause. And then with Adam's classic way that he responds sometimes, he said, hmm. I said, what is it really, bud? He said, you make me mad when you tickle me. I said, but I don't tickle you very often. He said, I know, but when you do, when you do, you make me mad. And I'm laughing on the outside, but I'm mad on the inside. I said, well, I'll try not to tickle you anymore, bud. And then I asked him, I said, uh, Adam, what is it that discourages you? What do I do that discourages you? He answered immediately. He said, when you leave. I asked another of my sons who I thought might be uh, maybe a little more... Um, contemplative about things and maybe extrapolate a little bit more about what makes them mad about me and discourages me. And so I said, would you go up to your room and write down what makes you angry and what discourages you about what I do? About 15 minutes later, he came back downstairs. He was doing something else. I said, hey, bud, did you have time to, to, to write those things down? And, and he just said, dad, I, I just couldn't think of anything. And I thought about commanding him to march right back up to his room and to write down the things that make him mad, but I thought he's going to go up there and he's going to write down, my dad makes me mad when he forces me to write down things that make me mad. <laughs> so I didn't tell him to do that. <laughs> Folks, children are a blessing from God. Listen to Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. We, we learn a few things from those two verses. We learn that children are a gift. We haven't earned them. We don't deserve them. There's not something that we can say, I did this. No. All children are a gift from God. And therefore, the second thing that we learn is that they're a blessing. They're an absolute blessing. And it's something that we, it's children are, are those that we should embrace. But the third thing that we learn from Psalm 127 is what we need to, to, to key in on this morning is because that's what Paul keys on in, and that is children are a stewardship from God. Children are a stewardship from God. He says, listen, children are like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. Now, when I, when I think about that imagery, I know it's really odd, but I think about me having my sons, and they're like my arrows, and I'm, I pull back the bow with my sons, and, and, and I pull it up, and because I think when I pull it up like this, and I let them go, I send them toward the trajectory of Jesus Christ. 
That's the way I think of, of, of that. Because, because the stewardship that I now have with my kids is to point them toward Christ, to show them the sufficiency of Christ, to, to, uphold, to hold before them every day the supremacy of the kingship and lordship and re- redemption of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so you have a stewardship if you're a parent. You also have a stewardship if you are a child. Now, I want to make, I want to make one statement before we just really jump into this issue of stewardship and responsibility. This year, we have made parenting a very big deal at Redeemer Church. We, a bunch of us went over to a weekend conference where Paul Tripp just shared for hours and hours a vision for parenting. One of the things that he did was he, he, he showed us how our children are constantly worshipers and that it is our job and responsibility to direct them toward worship of the Lord Jesus because if we don't, they're going to constantly be worshiping something else or somebody else the rest of their lives. But, but then we also did a conference called Real Life. And we, did, we spent two weeks on your kids and we talked about how we take the vision of Redeemer Church which is to pursue the glory of God and the joy of all people through worship, fellowship, discipleship, and mission. And we said, okay, this is how you can parent your children toward worship, toward fellowship, toward discipleship, toward mission. And then we had a a parenting and family conference at ABC that, that some of you attended. And that was all about getting to the heart of your child and how to draw out that heart so that you can expose idols and so that you can help them live for the glory of God. So, so it's not like we haven't emphasized this. And so what I want to do this morning is not do a mini conference on family life or a mini conference on parenting. This is one message that addresses very specific responsibilities, one for the parent and one for the child. And, and the Apostle Paul takes the child's responsibility first and then the, the parents. But what I want us to do, folks, is I want us to look up on the screen. I have given you a definition of responsibility, right? Responsibility is the obligation to complete a task. The obligation to follow an instruction, the obligation to fulfill a calling. Now, if you take that and personalize it and talk about personal responsibility, personal responsibility is the personal obligation to complete a task, the personal obligation to follow an instruction, the personal obligation to fulfill a calling. And it is both discouraging and unnerving that we now live in a society that has discarded personal responsibility. Listen, I read the news every day. Our society is calling for responsibility. Our society is calling for accountability. But they just want everybody else to be responsible. They want everybody else to be accountable. How many people are standing up and saying, I'm responsible and I'm accountable for what I'm obligated to? Not very many. We, we as a society, are so prone to play the, the blame game. We blame teachers for our own children's lack of academic achievement. We blame coaches for our own children's lack of athletic success. 
We blame our bosses for our lack of professional promotion and advancement. We blame our government for our own lack of financial stability. We blame our spouses for our own marriage problems. We blame our children for lack of family harmony. We blame our own parents because we're not happy enough. We blame God because life hasn't turned out the way that we wanted it to be or dreamed it to be. We blame our own president for our country not having a moral compass. If we can find somebody to blame, we'll blame them. The fact is this, every one of us needs to look in the mirror. And we need to say, I have responsibilities that God has given to me. He's given to me, and me only. And so God helped me in the power of the Holy Spirit, working with the Word of God to fulfill the responsibilities that you have given to me. And so the Apostle Paul addresses two responsibilities, two personal responsibilities. One is to children, one is to parents. And he says, listen, children, he says, obey your parents in everything. And he says, parents, parents, listen, listen, don't provoke your children lest they be discouraged. And so, folks, that those are, that, that's the big idea. The big idea did not take a lot of creativity as I worked on it this this week, all right? The big idea is kids, obey your parents. Parents, nurture your children. That's it. That's it. Now, as you do this, as you do this every day, Kids, as you obey your parents, and parents, as you nurture your kids, you know what you're going to do? You're going to demonstrate how gloriously sovereign and sufficient and supreme that King Jesus is. And then, as you do that, you're also going to mirror, you're going to image the Father's love for His children, the church, and the church's love for their dad, God the Father. That's what you're going to do. And so let me just give you the two responsibilities right now. First of all, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Children, obey your parents. There are really just three parts to this verse. First, the identification of the responsible people. Who are the responsible people in verse 20? Somebody tell me. Children, children. Now, guys, I love this. I love that he identifies children here. Children are addressed as responsible people in the church of Jesus Christ. Hey, that dignifies you, children. Children, look at me. Look at me, children. The Apostle Paul addresses you. He talks to you in the Bible. And sometimes you're thinking to yourself, oh, the Bible is for grown-ups and Christianity is for grown-ups. And here, the Apostle Paul takes time to speak specifically to you and he says, hey, children, I have a word for you. He dignifies who you are. He dignifies your place in this world. And he says, you belong to. And so that's their identification. Now, I do think we want to ask that question, what ages of children are we talking about? And I believe per the context, and if we look over in the book of Ephesians, we're not going to turn there, but he gives some instructions that are a little bit bigger to parents and children in that companion text. What we can say is that Paul is referring to children who are still under 
the care and provision of their parents. If, if you depend on your parents, then you are obligated to fulfill this command, essentially. So the identification of these responsible persons are children. And then let's just look at the instruction. The instruction is obey your parents in everything. You know, just looking at the, the word obey here, I found that it literally means to listen to someone with the utmost attention in order to give an answer. That's what it literally means. If you just try to kind of hammer down on the, or the original literal meaning, it means to listen attentively so as to provide an answer. But how the Apostle Paul uses it and other Bible writers use it is simply to follow the leadership and instructions of an authority. To follow the leadership and instructions of an authority. And that's the instruction. He is saying, hey children, follow the leadership and instructions and authority that your parents give to you. And then finally, look at the motivation. What's the motivation for obeying your parents' kids? I want, let, let's see if we can have a child or a couple of children answer the question. I think I heard it over here. Abigail. It pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord. And you know the Lord here is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who, that's who he's referring to. So, so Abigail, Abigail, every time you follow the leadership and love and authority of your mom, Jesus Christ is in heaven at the right hand of his Father, and he's smiling. He's smiling because you have followed your mom's leadership. Hey, what could be more motivating than the fact that the Savior who lived on your behalf and died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead to give you eternal life is in heaven looking down at you, smiling because you are obeying your mom, who is your authority. What a blessing. What a blessing. That's the motivation that he gives. He says, listen, listen, Christ is your Savior. He is your Redeemer. He is your King. You need to obey your parents so that you can please Him, so that you can make Him happy. Now, there are just a few things I want to say before we move to the parents. The first is, kids, you are tempted to disobey your parents. Not simply because you want to do something else, but because you disbelieve the promises of God. You see... When your mom and dad tell you, um, we're going to go to bed at 8 o'clock, you're going to have to put up the, the Wii, put up the Xbox, we're going to go to bed at 8. <laughs> Irony. <laughs> and you say to yourself, I don't want to put up the Xbox. I want to keep playing. I, my mom and dad, uh, See, what, what you begin to think to yourself is, my mom and dad don't know what's best for me. My mom and dad don't want what is best for me. My mom and dad aren't concerned for what's best for me, and my mom and dad can't do what's best for me. I have a heart of disbelief about my mom and dad whenever they instruct me to do something that I don't really want to do. That's rooted in sin. But we've got to see that our disobedience, kids, is rooted in this heart of unbelief, and that's where the gospel has to come into play. 
That's where the scriptures have to come into play. And, and Cody and Adam and Carson and all you other kids, you have to ask yourself when you're tempted to disobey, you have to ask yourself, do I believe the promises and provisions of God in His Word or I disbelieve them? Because every time you're tempted to disobey your parents, you're, what's going on here is a battle for your heart and a battle for your mind. Am I going to believe God or am I going to disbelieve Him? And so... You need to understand your temptation toward disobedience is rooted in unbelief. And so, kids, what you need to do is when you're tempted to disobey mom and dad, you have to ask the question, do I believe God? Do I believe God? Do I believe God? Do I trust God right now? Now, let me just give you a few ways in which you can cultivate obedience to your parents, okay? I'll just give you uh, probably four or five. All right, first of all, kids, you need to recognize that your parents are a blessing to you from the Lord. Your parents are a blessing to you from the Lord. Listen, you didn't inherently deserve parents. You didn't inherently do anything to earn them. But God graciously gave you parents who love you, provide for you, meet your everyday needs, want your best. What a blessing. Listen, there are millions of children throughout the world who would love to have parents who are going to care for them and provide for them and be there with them and be there for them. And right here you are in Redeemer Church, and I think we've got like 35 children. You have parents who care for you. What a blessing. So recognize that what you have is a blessing from God and be grateful. Also, you need to realize your parents' authority is a commission from God. You, you don't simply um, obey your parents because they tell you to. You obey your parents because God has providentially and sovereignly told them to give you instructions. He has told your parents to train them in the way of the Lord, to bring them up in fear and instruction of the Lord. That's their commission. And so... That's where the, the authority comes from. It's not just because, hey, well, I've just got these parents and I guess I'm supposed to obey them. Let me give you two more. Children, the number one thing you must do to obey your parents is you must run to Jesus Christ for salvation. Run to Christ. Trust in Christ. And as I said, put your faith in what he did by living perfectly, dying sacrificially for you, raising from the dead on the third day, ascending into heaven, so that if you put your faith in what he did for you on your behalf, what he does is he sends his spirit, the very spirit of Jesus, into you, and he makes you a new heart, and he gives you a new spirit, and he provides you new desires, and this is what he does. He gives you power to obey with joy. Because if you don't run to Christ, and you don't trust Christ, and if you don't say, my identity is in Christ, my righteousness is in Christ, my perfection is in Christ, my performance is in Christ, this is the thing. You will seek to obey your parents for the rest of your life until you're 18 or 21 years old, but you'll do it begrudgingly. 
You'll do it with a sense of pride. You'll do it with a sense of I'm accomplishing something here or I'm doing something. Or you're going to do it kind of slyly. You're going to do it with some some foxiness about you because what you're going to do is you're going to show them that you obey them in their presence, but behind them you're deceptive, you're manipulative, you're lying because you don't have a heart to obey them out of joy. You have a heart to obey them to get what you need to get until you get out of their house. Are you tracking with me, kids? You've got to trust in Christ and allow the power and the love of Christ to control you. And then I want to just say one more thing here. When you're really having a difficult time obeying your parents, and and, and let's just say they're giving you instructions that you just don't understand and you're struggling with, appeal to your parents with an attitude of respect. Appeal to your parents with an attitude of respect. I I really am thankful as a pastor here at Redeemer Church that I don't see a lot of disrespectfulness. I I I see it. We all have disrespectful children at times because we're disrespectful parents to our own Heavenly Father. So it's displayed, but it's just not all over the place. But, But children, you have no right to stomp your feet. You have absolutely no right to kick your mother or father in the shin. You have no right to argue with your parents in a volatile way. You have no right to raise your voice at your kids. You have no right to do any of that. What you do have a right to is to appeal to your parents in a responsible manner and say, Mom, Dad, I understand you've given me an instruction. I don't understand it, and I'm not sure that I can can really embrace it unless you can tell me a little bit more about this instruction. Something like that. But appeal to your parents in a spirit of respect. Okay, Um, children, obey your parents. Second, parents, nurture your children. Nurture your children. Let's look at the second verse here, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, we, we see the identification of the responsible persons. Now, the ESV says fathers, but that very well could be translated parents. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, the same original word is used, which says Moses' parents hid him for three months. Same word. It's translated parents in Hebrews. It's translated fathers in, in the book of Colossians. I think the ESV probably translates it fathers because they knew that the father was the head of the household. And the father was the one who was the husband treating his wife, sometimes the master treating the slaves and the servants that will be addressed next week. And so what I want to tell you is that this word is not specifically and only for fathers. It is for both uh, fathers and mothers. Now let's look at the instruction. It says, do not provoke your children. When you hear the word provoke, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Provoke. Mark, what comes to your mind? Yeah, sure. Like prodding, prodding them almost. Yeah. The word literally means to stir, to stir up and to aggravate. There were two pictures that came to my mind. I don't know if y'all have ever been bitten by by an ant or uh, stung or something like that uh, or bitten by a mosquito and uh, all of a sudden you just start scratching it and scratching it and you scratch it some more. What happens to that little old place? 
It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then sometimes with like an ant bite, if you keep going after a day or so, that pus-like stuff builds up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's grossness, right? Well, I use a grossness illustration because parents have, an op- um, have the opportunity sometimes to create grossness in their own children. As they aggravate, as they pick on, as they constantly barrage their children with criticism, with uh, never do it good enough for me kind of attitude toward our kids. Okay, And so that's the idea that, that Paul is trying to give us. This, this idea of provoking uh, is, to, is to stir to anger, to, to irritate, to arouse. And then he gives the motivation. Why would it be good for a parent not to provoke his child or a mother to provoke her child? What, what is the reason, the motivation that he gives? Lest they, what? Become discouraged. Unless they become discouraged. Now this word discouraged, this is really important that we understand that the, the, the literal meaning is to be without heart or passion. To be without heart or passion. Now folks, do, I want to ask you all this morning. Have you ever met a child or maybe even a teenager who lacks heart? Who lacks passion? Have you ever met an adult who lacks heart and lacks passion? Well, there's many reasons why that could be. But one reason is this, is that parents provoked that child to the point where he or she just gave up. Just gave up. Said, I'm done. I I am mailing in all the passion that I once had. I'm mailing in all the courage that I once had. I'm mailing in all the intensity for life and the joy in living. I'm mailing it all in. I'm just going to exist. I'm just going to exist. I'll try to comply when I can, but that's it. And that's what Paul wants to avoid. He says, look, don't provoke your children lest they become empty of courage, lest they become empty of heart, empty of passion in life. And so basically for the remainder of our time right now, I just want to ask the question, how is it that parents provoke their children? How is it that parents stir their kids up to anger that ultimately leads to a lack of heart and a lack of passion? I committed myself to preach much shorter this morning, and so I'll only take a a number of these and then we'll conclude and continue to sing and worship the Lord. So here we go. Here's the first way to provoke your children. Have ongoing marriage conflict. Have ongoing marriage conflict. Just be bitter toward one another as husband and wife. Talk each other down. Accuse one another. Raise your voice to one another a lot. Talk about each other to your kids. Constant Constant conflict will provoke your children and ultimately make them angry and ultimately make them discouraged. Listen, 
It's, it's stated four or five times in the Scripture that a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They shall become intimate spiritually and physically and emotionally, and they shall love one another and care for one another and treasure one another. What your children need is not to see parents who are constantly fighting and arguing and bickering and disagreeing, but what they need to see is parents who love one another, serve one another, care for one another, and when they do argue, when they do bicker, when they do fight, they see a restorative process where mom asks for forgiveness or dad asks for forgiveness and they come back together and they love each other more after the conflict than they did the first time. Bitter parents make bitter children. Argumentative parents make argumentative children. So this is what I would say is, is as parents work through conflict with gospel love. You're going to have it. All of us do. But work through conflict with gospel love so that your kids can see how grace and mercy can invade conflict. Um, maintain, this is the second way to provoke your children, maintain a child-centered family. I quoted this verse last week, Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way, a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Well, listen, listen, in our effort to celebrate children, in our effort to, to, to um, worship God and honor God and give thanks to God and to be excited about God giving us children, a lot of times what we do is we take the spotlight that is on God and we actually turn that spotlight down onto our children and the spotlight remains on our children for the entirety of the time that they're in their home. Oh, whatever he wants, whatever she wants, whatever they want to do, whatever's good for you, tell me what that is. Let me do this for you. Oh, yes, you're right. Oh, yes, your opinion is every valid as our opinion. Oh, yes, it's all about you. Oh, you want to do that? Oh, you want to play this? Oh, you want to go there? Absolutely, let's do this. You're my child. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm telling you, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but how does that provoke the child to wrath? How does it provoke the child to anger and ultimately discouragement? Because I'm going to tell you, children don't always get their way even when you try to give them their way. And when a child who is accustomed to getting his or her way doesn't get her way, what do you see come out? Wow. We've all seen it. We've all seen it. So what we do is we need to take that spotlight and we need to put it right onto Christ. And we need to say, child, you are a blessing. You are a privilege. You are a gift. And I want to point you every day to Jesus Christ, who we are going to center our life and our family on. And Lord willing, by His grace, you're going to trust Him for your eternal life. And so, maintain a Christ-centered family rather than a child-centered family. Let me run through some more. Discipline your kids out of anger. Do that and you will provoke your, your kids. Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, be angry and do not sin and, and give no opportunity to the devil. I, I really believe that parents make a huge mistake in parenting when they are angry 
and emotionally upset and seek to discipline their kids. I believe that it is wise and biblical to make sure that you are prayerful and under control before you you administer any discipline to your child. You should discipline your kids in love so that it is restorative in nature and not punitive in nature. Listen, when you discipline your kids, you're not punishing them. That's not what you're doing. You're actually, you're actually drawing them back toward yourself and back toward Jesus Christ. Read the book of Hebrews where it says that our Father disciplines us and chastens us. Why? To restore us back to Himself. Listen, when it comes time for discipline with your kid, your kid shouldn't be running away. Your kid shouldn't be scared to death. Your kid should understand that I'm getting disciplined, but I know that the ultimate result of this is that I'm going to be hugging mommy, and I'm going to be hugging daddy, and we're going to be together again, and we're going to be forgiven, and we can go live, uh, live life again. Let me give you another one. Use, use destructive words. Use destructive words, and you will provoke your children and you will discourage them paul says in ephesians 4 let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen i I think i do want to make i want to make a very specific application here parents you should never call your kids names never never mock your kid never call them a name that's going to stick with them. I, you know, I, I had an adult, not my parents, but I, I had an adult call me a name one time when I was 12 years old, and I will tell you just, it's, it, it really, in a lot of ways, it scarred me. It scarred me because when an authoritative figure ascribes to you a name, they're ascribing to you a character. They're ascribing to you a personhood. And a child begins to think, well, that's who I am. That, that's who I am, so that's my, that's my trajectory in life. Never call your kids names and never speak unedifying words about their character. You can use biblical terms to describe their actions, but don't ascribe words and names and mocking type of terms to who they are. And so use edifying words to build up your child. I think this is one that we all might be prone to do. And so let me give you this way to provoke your child. Be inconsistent with discipline. Be inconsistent with discipline. Um, Jesus said, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Ecclesiastes 8 says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the child of, uh, children of men is fully set to do evil. My point is this. I, I'm not so sure that you should have a bunch of rules. I'm not so sure that you should have a bunch of regulations in your home. But whatever your rules and your regulations and your leadership is, follow through with that. Follow through with it. So that your children... Don't get away with something on Tuesday and then on Wednesday and then you just bring the boom on Thursday for the same exact um, actions and attitude. That is going to provoke your children to wrath and anger and utter uh, disappointment as well. Okay, I literally have 15 more, but I'm I'm going to give you maybe two more right here. So write these down if you're taking notes. If you want to provoke your children 
and ultimately discourage them, promote legalism. P- promote legalism. Um, promote an environment in your home where if, child, if you do A, B, C, all the way down to X, Y, and Z, I'll be pleased with you as your dad. I'll be pleased with you as your mom. And you and I will be in good graces. But if you dare cross over that line or admit one of these things, I am going to restrain my love. I'm going to pull away my blessings. I'm going to get further away from you so that you will feel my wrath. Okay, what that is, that is parental legalism. And what your children do is they ascribe that very kind of thing to God himself. And so what they're doing is, this is what being a Christian is all about. This is what being in the church is about. all about. If I do A, B, and C, all the way down to X, Y, and Z, God is going to be pleased with me. He's going to want to be with me, and I'm going to be the apple of His eye. But if I step out of line in some way, I have now fallen out of graces with God. I don't have His love. He doesn't want to be with me because now I'm, I'm a black sheep of the family. What we needed to do is promote grace. We need to promote the gospel. We need to promote the, the gracious and compassionate love of a father who sent his only son to die for our sins. Because this is the thing that I want to tell you. As I was meditating this week on this passage, there were two basic but profound truths that came to my mind. First is, I am a great failure as a parent. I am. And I'll tell you that. I am a failure. I could give you the ways in which I fail. But the second truth is I have a great Savior. He is a Redeemer. You see, my Savior took me out of darkness and put me into the light. He took me out of the pit of despair and He brought me into the the, the throne room of heaven. He has taken me out of my utter faithlessness and brought me into his own faithfulness and he has said even in the midst of your failure I'm going to love you and care for you and draw you to myself because I have won where you have failed he's in the garden praying and he says father I have accomplished all that you have sent me to do And then about 16 hours later, he's up on the cross about to breathe his last. And he says, it is finished. And you know, when he says it is finished, that's a cry of victory. And he could have said in his mouth, I have won the victory over all of Ryan Limbaugh's failures as a parent. Praise him. Praise him. And so we want to promote grace rather than legalism in our families. Okay, I'll, I'll finish with this one, and then, folks, I'm just going to send you the list. Uh, I'm going to send you the list via an email. I think there's about 18. And I do want to tell you, I brought this book up here, a book that has been really helpful to me that I get a, a lot of my thoughts thought spurs on a lot of my thoughts here is the heart of anger by lou priolo p-r-i-o-l-o it's a really super book regarding um parenting your kids and and trying not to provoke them to anger but i'll just finish with this one prioritize worldly success 
over gospel success. Prioritize worldly success over gospel success. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I no longer live, he says. But Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who lived and died for me, who loved me and gave himself for me. Parents, I want to tell you this morning that if your child finishes in the 98th or above percentile on every category of the SAT test and the ACT test, gets offers to Stanford and Vanderbilt and Yale and maybe even throw in there Princeton, gets an undergraduate degree with a 4.0, goes and gets a, a graduate degree from Georgia Tech, gets a job, marries a beautiful wife or a, a handsome husband, they live in a gated community, they have two and a half children, a dog and a cat, they have the best cars, they have professional success. They, they, they have everything that you would think anybody would want. They go on the greatest vacations. You can see them on va- Facebook in Aspen in, the, in March, and you can see them down in the Bahamas in June, and you can see them just over in the mountains for a quick weekend trip in the fall, and you're just like, wow, look at what my children have become and what they have done, but they are devoid of love for Jesus Christ and identity in Him, then you have failed as a parent. And so, if you want to provoke your kids, prioritize worldly success over gospel success and and show them that academics and athletics and profession and all of this is way more important than who you are in Jesus Christ. Okay. If you don't mind, would you be willing just to bow your, your heads right now? Bow your hearts. I want to ask you, children, right now, I want to ask you to identify ways in which you are regularly disobedient to your parents. Cody, Abigail, Seth, Jesse, Braden, Brody, Wes, All of you, all of you children, I want you right now to be willing to identify ways in which you regularly disobey your parents. And I want you to ask God to give you the grace of repentance. And to give you the power and the desire to joyfully follow their leadership. Because of the gospel. And parents, I want to ask you right now to identify ways in which you provoke your children. That you lead them down the road of discouragement. And I want to ask you to plead with the Lord to give you a heart of repentance. Ask the Lord to give you a plan to turn from that slothful way of parenting 
to turn from that self-centered way of parenting and to joyfully lay down your life to love and nurture these precious children God has entrusted to your care. Children, parents, confess your sins to the Lord. Cast yourself upon the grace of Jesus Christ. And by His power, make a plan to joyfully obey Him. Um, sometimes you ever say something and you know what you meant, but the way that it came out wasn't exactly what you meant? Yeah, yeah okay. Um, when I was given the illustration about the successful kids and all, I've, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said something like, if that's the case and they're devoid of Christ, you've been a failure as a parent. I didn't mean that you've been a failure as a parent if they don't come to Christ and that's where they look. Um, but you taught them about Christ, you trained them and you showed them and it just, it just didn't, they just didn't know what I meant was if you were devoid of training in Christ, if you were devoid in loving them in Christ, then that would produce failure. I just, I know a lot of kids grow up and don't love Jesus, but it's not because their parents didn't train them and teach them about Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay, I just wanted to make sure I clarified that.